Welcome to the Gonzo Chronicles. I'm your host, Cyrus Alderwood, the official spokesman for Generation X. Stick around. It's going to get weird, as always. Hey, I'm back. Sort of. I'm about 70%. So where did I go? I've been gone a month almost since my last podcast. But I will. The good news is four out of five psychologists recommend listening to the Gonzo Chronicles for your mental health. Pass that along. Share it with your friends. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube and my Substack. I got sick. Holy hell did I get sick. Um... I was I was out of it for a while. Uh, I mean, like well, a couple of days there, I was walking with the Grim Reaper. I literally I almost did no work for two weeks. No energy. And one day I ran 103 fever, and then it broke like that evening. You know, it's a sweat. Just sweating. Like, terrible. You know, like, uh, I don't know, like I'm down in uh, Florida and running into pythons. <laughs> I don't know. It was It was frightening. Um, not frightening. I got through it, but it, but I, I can count on one hand the number of times I've been sick since the nine eleven attacks. Folks, this is one of them. This sucked. This was bad. But anyway, I'm over it. I'm over it. I did manage to update my Substack a couple of times during that time. Um, I was looking into the abyss, and the abyss looked back. But like I said, keep in mind, scratch that. Nine out of ten psychologists recommend the Gonzo Chronicles. So make sure you listen. Sorry about my hoarse voice. I'm just now sort of getting back and getting back to normal, but I still do have this lingering cough. And every time I pause uh, my recording um, and I hit record again, it just doesn't record. So I don't know what the hell's going on. So you may hear me pull away from the mic and cough a little bit uh, during this, but I, I don't sound so much like I'm going through puberty. So I guess that's okay, right? But anyway, I've, I've had some nostalgia with the eighties. And, uh, I wrote a couple of, Oh, I wrote one thing. Um, I, I, I started thinking about who, who are some of the greatest front men of all time. Right. And a lot of them, you know, performed during the eighties and stuff, but as a Gen Xer, you know, we think about these things. Who are the greatest front men of all time? So I actually went back and I started thinking about rock and roll front men and I wrote down my list, top 10. And actually, one of them was a woman. Ooh. Can't say I'm sexist. <laughs> so, I wrote down this list, and this is my personal list. So, as I roll through this, if I'm missing somebody, or you think somebody else should be on the list, drop me an email. Drop us an email here at the show, cyrus.alderwood at gmail.com. 
or uh, go to the Substack. It's uh, cyrusalderwood.substack.com. <coughs> and you can leave comments there. Sorry about the cough. You're going to get this. Sorry. Um, but hey, I'm back. At least I'm breathing and I'm alive. So I wanted to go through the top 10 lists. I wrote my list down. And then I went online just to do some digging, do a little research. You know, who else Who else has done a top 10 list or top 20? And, of course, Rolling Stone. Freaking Rolling Stone. I don't know at what point they lost a beat on what uh, the culture is, but the stuff that they write is certainly not indicative of, of their audience or their used-to-be audience. Um, you know, I, I love rock and roll, but I consider... When you talk about frontmen, I think about a rock band that has a lead singer uh, that, again, is a frontman of a band. I'm not thinking of solo artists. They're great. Not, there is a great many number of solo artists out there. And if I wanted to do top entertainers of all time, yeah, Hendrix would be on that list. So would Janis Joplin and Elvis, definitely, right? Sinatra, but Sinatra's not rock and roll. But, um, but you know, but so I sort of kicked those people off the list. Um, Rolling Stone didn't, and the person I had coming in at number one is the quintessential rock star. They didn't even have this guy in the top twenty-five, which to me is sacrilegious in the world of rock and roll. Rolling Stone should be banished, banished for their lack of uh, understanding of the rock. I don't know. It seems like every list I come across with uh, Rolling Stone, and even to have guests on the show talk about these lists, Rolling Stone just doesn't get it. <coughs> so let's go through our top ten list. And again, swing by my Substack and tell me who I'm missing. I know there's a couple that should be on the list that I didn't, that I forgot. <clears throat> but here's my list. Coming in at number ten was Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. Aerosmith is an amazing band. They're on their final tour right now, uh, and that tour is going to go through next year, and it's called Peace Out. And the Black Crows are going to be opening for a good portion of that tour for them. And I love the Black Crows, too. I'm probably not going to go to the show. I, I, I've thought about going and getting tickets to go see them in Knoxville, which is in January of 24. Uh, I don't know what the weather is going to be like for starters, and that's about a three-and-a-half-hour drive. I don't want to be caught in a blizzard. Uh, two, <laughs> I've seen Aerosmith, and they always put on a great show. Steven Tyler, again, amazing frontman for rock and roll, great rock and roll band, one of the greatest of all time. But um, I'm, I'm not going to pay 80 bucks for the nosebleed seats, which are the cheapest, and I'm not paying 80, 180 or 200 to sit down closer to the stage where I don't want to sit. I've already seen them. Love the band. You know, I'll just, I'll just enjoy the... Uh, Recorded concerts that I've seen on TV and that you can get on DVD. Number nine, I had Bono from U2. Great frontman. I love U2. I know they're not for everybody, and most people would say, nah, I'm not putting him on this list, but hey, it's my list. So I'm throwing Bono on there. Um, great frontman. Uh, they have so many great albums, and what a great philanthropist, too. Um, I don't agree with all of his, you know, I guess, leanings politically, environmentally. So, you know, he, there are some things I don't necessarily agree with that he does, but, hey, he's out there trying to make the world a better place. He's doing a whole hell of a lot more than I'm doing. Hats off to Bono. Got you on the list. 
Number eight, and I probably should have this guy a little higher up, Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. I don't think he was in the top ten on Rolling Stone's list. I'd have to go back and look, but I don't, I don't think he was. But one of the greatest rock bands of all time. And then he did some solo work, and then I guess he uh, got back with, um, no, actually, that was David Coverdell that got with Jimmy Page and did the Coverdell Page album, uh, which was great, by the way. But, um, you know, Robert Plant, one of the most amazing frontmen of all time. You see, you hear his voice, you know who it is immediately. Number seven is another person, the only one of three on this list that I've actually seen live myself. Coming in at number seven, I have Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Joan Jett is an amazing front man slash woman, whatever. She kicks ass. She actually, she commands a stage like few people I have ever seen live. And I've seen a lot of concerts. But Joan Jett and the Blackhearts are a good time. I saw them open up for Def Leppard in the late 90s. <clears throat> and what an amazing show. Def Leppard was good, but I walked away from that show remembering Joan Jett's performance more than theirs. Um, maybe I don't know. She has so many great songs. She was with the Runaways before, and then right after that, she joins the Blackhearts and just hit after hit after hit through the 80s, some in the 90s. She still performs to this day. So um, if you ever get a chance to see her, I don't care if she's 100, go see her. Joan Jett, number seven. Coming in at number six, this is where we get into rare air for frontmen. Mick Jagger for the Rolling Stones. Um, need I say more? <laughs> One of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, they have so many, not just number one hits, but just like so many hits, B-side songs that are just amazing, uh, so many great albums. Um, I had a, a very rare piece that was sold at one point in the U.S. I got in the late, in the nah, probably mid-90s. It was um, the, called the London Singles. It was a three-disc set, box set. Really good stuff. They did, they did a lot of blues covers on that. So what a range. And when you see Mick Jagger on stage performing, you know who you're seeing. And you're watching a legend. Again, we're, we're at this point of the list where this is rare air. Number five for me was Freddie Mercury of Queen. Um, Queen had so many great hits through the 70s. They get back in the early 80s. And then they break up for a while. They get back together. And we see them for the first time in a long time at Live Aid uh, at Wembley raising money for uh, children, starving children in Africa to, to help the hungry. Great time to get back together, guys. They made a movie of it called Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, pretty, pretty good movie. Not really. Anyone, I like the I like the live part. <laughs> that was fun. <coughs> but um, no, they they came out with so many great albums after that. So many big hits. Um, so yeah, Freddie Mercury. When you're seeing him on stage, you know you're seeing a great performer. Um, front man from a band. Number four was Roger Daltrey. Uh, from The Who. Again, an amazing band. Uh, they still perform sometimes uh, to this day. Um, I don't know how often they perform, but I've seen within the last, you know, eight to ten years, uh, concerts on TV and then old concerts. Their music is timeless. So much fun. So much great rock and roll. And Roger Daltrey is an amazing front man. The, the difference between him and a lot of these others on this list He's got a great voice. He commands the stage. 
but he doesn't overpower the stage to take away from the band, like a lot of frontmen maybe tend to do. Uh, Robert Plant didn't do that from the things I've seen. Bono will do that. Steven Tyler will do that. Um, Freddie Mercury, I mean, you're busy watching Freddie Mercury, not the rest of the band. Roger Daltrey, on the other hand, just um, has a way of like bringing the whole band in uh, when I watch them, when I've watched video of them um, live. Just good stuff. Uh, number three, I sort of broke the solo rule here, but um, I had Ozzy Osbourne because he had so much great stuff with Black Sabbath. But then he had all that solo work. But And he had so many great hits in the 80s and 90s, even now. Um, he's still like way relevant in pop culture now. I mean, he's got a since he has a couple of shows with his son on TV. And um, the the thing about Ozzy though, when he was just going under the name Ozzy Osbourne, traveling with, as solo, he had so many amazing musicians in his band that I sort of consider them a band. You know, so I'm sort of like bending my home rule a little bit because hey, I can't. It's my list. But um, from uh, Jakey e. Lee, who went on to found Badlands, uh, you know, guitar, to uh, um, Randy Rhodes. I mean, he had so many amazing musicians traveling. And it wasn't just a stale band standing there. Man, they were working their asses off and moving around. So um, I had Ozzy as a front man at number three. Number two, and there could be some argument that this guy might be number one, but, um, again, my list. Jim Morrison from The Doors. How can you deny Jim Morrison on this list? I mean, you know, he is, again, the probably one of the most prolific frontmen of a band of all time. He commanded a room. He commanded a stage. He commanded uh, tables when they were sitting down doing interviews, a public Q&A when they traveled. Um, Jim Morrison, I mean, for all, I mean, they, I mean, they just, deified this man. He joined the 27 Club, unfortunately, died at the age of 27, supposedly. <laughs> Mr. Mojo Rising. But so many great songs. Uh, I listen to, I, I've got most of their albums on CD. And uh, to this day, when I work on books, stories, whatever I'm writing, um, I, I have playlists, like a lot of people. I like to have a little mood music in the back of the ring, you know, in the background. So, uh, when I listen, when I'm working on something like that, the doors are a mainstay uh, on my playlist. Um, can't go wrong with it, man. Jim Morrison, number two. Number one, the fact that this guy was not on Rolling Stones list at all, rock and roll sacrilege. Rolling Stones should have to suffer in the bowels of hell for not having David Lee Roth of Van Halen anywhere on that list. To me, he's number one. He's the most quintessential rock star of my time. So, yeah, he had a lot of solo stuff, but, man, he had so much with Van Halen that if he had never done anything after Van Halen, just the way that guy performed in videos and on stage live, he is a quintessential rock star. I do regret, mind you, not having either one of the lead singers of ACDC on this list. Kind of forgot about them. Um, you you could you could say Brian Johnson, good front man, but uh, man, I mean uh, the original guy, Bon Scott, <coughs> again quintessential rock star. I mean him and him and David Lee Roth probably would have gotten along very well together. So that's my list of top ten.
um, 80s uh, frontman, or not 80s, but frontman of all time leading a band. Who would I forget? Go to cyrusalderwood.substack.com. Leave some comments on there if you want. You'll see that article right at the front. I got David Lee Roth doing a split on stage as the, I guess, the uh, picture for the article. So I was thinking about that. Like I said, I've been kind of like having some um, nostalgia, like 80s nostalgia. So I'm driving yesterday, and um, radio song comes on the radio. Do you guys remember Bonnie Tyler, Total Eclipse of the Heart from the 80s? Awesome song. Love that song. But, you know, if you ever stop to listen to the words of it, this is something a lot of people don't know. But if you stop and listen to the words of Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart, it's about a vampire. Yeah, she's about to be bitten, and the rest of her life begins that night. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. It's about a vampire about to bite a girl and turn her. So, yeah, go back and read the lyrics to that. That's quite an interesting song. A lot of people don't know that, but um, that's some, some good trivia for you. So let's do this real quick before we hang them up here tonight. Uh, like I said, it's been a while since I've been on here, and I uh, don't want to cut it too short. Um, and I need to catch up on these podcasts. I have so many topics to talk about. Freaking Tucker Carlson getting kicked off Fox. <coughs> the, the Durham report coming out today, which basically said, hey, all these people were guilty of collusion and and uh, and trying to uh, rig and falsify an election. We called them dead to rights, but I don't recommend charges for anybody. So basically you can break the freaking law. And, uh, you know, if you're a far lefty or hate Trump or whatever, but, you know, you can get away with it. That's what they're saying. So, hey, yay, another notch in killing our justice system and destroying liberty here in our great country. That's all right, folks. I'm an optimist. We'll get this shit back. But not before we do top ten mullets of the 80s, by God. You know, think back to some of these movies that we saw and videos of musicians. So I'm just going to name a few here. And if it's in a movie, I'm going to tell you what, what movie. Um... But man, I got to tell you, one of the top mullets of the 80s, if you want to see some mullets, go hang out at Walmart, any Walmart in this country. Just go in, grab yourself a drink, sit down on the bench at the front, and watch people come and go. You'll see men with mullets. You'll see women with mullets. You'll meet Joe Dirt at age 12. I swear to God, Walmart is like, I don't know, it's a crossroads of I don't know what. But top 10 mullets of the 80s. Michael Bolton, remember that guy? The singer? That guy had a mullet that went for miles. Um, quite impressive. I, if you guys don't know this, there's actually an annual mullet competition. No shit. Go look it up. They, they do it still to this day. Number nine, from Lethal Weapon, Mel Gibson. Pretty impressive mullet there, Gibson. Number eight, or again, one of the most impressive mullets of all time, tennis great, tennis legend, Andre Agassi. My sister had a crush on this guy. Loved him. But I don't know if it was for the mullet or for the money. Who knows? He was a good tennis player. He had the hair. You know, he had the the, the contract with Cannon. He was selling products. And the hair was flowing in the wind. My, my God, and what a mullet. MacGyver. Yeah, Richard Dean Anderson. Not many people could rock a mullet like MacGyver. But that show lasted a good long while. We all remember Billy Ray Cyrus long before Miley Cyrus came along. But Billy Ray and his achy, breaky heart, that has got to be 
one of the most impressive mullets of all time. Yeah, I had him at number six. From Roadhouse, Patrick Swayze. That guy rocked a mullet in Roadhouse. As a matter of fact, though, I read some information on this movie. Like I was looking it up. I was like, why didn't, you know, the director insisted he have a mullet. He did not want to have a mullet. He almost went to war with the director. I don't know if he was going to lose his role in the movie or not, but the director won the battle, and Patrick Swayze, you're going to have the mullet. He freaking hated that haircut, hated that style, but he had it for the movie. And by God, what a movie it was. I still watch it once in a while to this day. Now, a lot of people know George Clooney, and they think of that Caesar cut, and what the hell was that show he was in where he was like working in the ER? Was it ER? I don't know. I never watched it. <coughs> but if you watched any of his work from the early 80s, uh, he was in a movie called Return to Horror High. Dude, impressive mullet. It was almost like one of those mullets with a perm in the back of it, you know what I mean? He, Yeah, he was really rocking that one. He was also in Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes. I own that movie. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I own it. Um, <laughs> go watch it. It'll change your life. Not for the better, but it'll change your life. Kiefer Sutherland in The Lost Boys. Who could forget that fuck, that freaking mullet? <laughs> well, about dropped a bomb. So who could forget that mullet, man? That was one of the greatest 80s movies, too. I love it. Greatest soundtrack. Uh, number two, St. Elmo's Fire. We all remember Rob Lowe. Great mullet playing saxophone in that. Wasn't long after that he got in trouble for banging his 15-year-old or a 16-year-old. She thought she was of age. Um, but, you know, that's Rob Lowe. He was probably hanging out with Charlie Sheen. Got into some younger girls. Who knows? Eh, Hollywood people are a little creepy sometimes. But St. Almost Fire, Rob Lowe. Check out that mullet next time you watch that great 80s film. Number one mullet of the 80s. Folks, one of my favorite movies of all time. Big Trouble in Little China. Kurt Russell. He was also Snake Plissken and like uh, Skate from New York. Who could forget the mullets this dude was rocking in some of these movies? Great stuff, man. Great stuff. But anyway, there's the top 10 frontmen, top 10 mullets of the 80s. Yeah, I'll be back soon. I'm kind of like, yeah, I got, I got a lot of crap I want to rant about. So um, maybe I'll have a guest on soon. Who knows? Um, yeah, hey, by the way, I do want to do a quick shout-out to uh, Emily at IHaveYouCovered.net. I think that's the right website. She did the logo for the Gonzo Chronicles, and I've been getting a lot of compliments on these logos. Um, she actually did the logo for the nonprofit as well uh, that I uh, that I run. So, um, yeah, thanks. If you need anything like stickers or like bumper stickers, magnets, or whatever kind of stuff you need with printing uh, or logo design, book cover design, uh, have you covered.net, I think is the website, uh, Emily Houghton. Excellent work. Thank you for that. I mean, it's been a while since you did this logo, but I swear to God, every time I get a few, few new listeners, I get people like, hey, man, that's a cool logo. Where did you get that? So thanks a bunch. And uh, everybody, um, hey, one other thing I'll throw out there. Since it's my show, let me plug my freaking books. Go to Amazon.com and search Cyrus Alderwood. I've got quite a few books out there. Some dark comedy, some horror. I do have a political thriller called Revelation Calling. Um, 
I haven't had a chance to even try to promote these books in a while. So when you don't do that, you know, this book sales wane. And I would like to, uh, you know, be nice to sell enough books every month to keep the show, pay for the show instead of paying for it out of pocket. So if you get a chance, run on over there, get something on Kindle, get something on paperback. Um, one of the books I would love more people to read, one of my favorite stories, so much fun to write, was Pot of Gold. Um, it is a it is a true, that's a philosophical comedy in a way, but it's a, a place where you lose yourself and you find yourself. It's a fun road trip with all kinds of ah, crazy antics that happen along the way. Love that story. Uh, there's a story behind why I wrote that book. Uh, maybe I'll tell that again on the podcast sometime. But uh, if you get a chance, go check out Pot of Gold. It's in Kindle. It's in paperback. I'd appreciate it if you buy it. Leave a comment and a ranking so other people uh, know your thoughts. And uh, and that'll help them decide whether they want to buy the book or not as well. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning into the Gonzo Chronicles. I freaking love you. I appreciate you. Come back again. And, uh, yeah, we'll have some more fun. Hey, cheers, everybody. See you down the road.